his website, Draft Express, has been a mainstay for me for years. I go there. Shoot, I'm already looking at the 2017 mock draft, which we will ask Jonathan about at some point today. Uh, if you're a fan of the vertical as well, he's doing work for them these days. He's good enough to hop on board with us here on CBS Sports Radio to talk about Thursday night. How you been, Jonathan? Been great, Jody. How about yourself? Good. My pleasure. Um, now only four days away. This is what you do. You're on top of this all year from summer tournaments to the start of college basketball season to the uh, workouts thereafter and the like. If you remember back to the day before, a day after last year's draft, how much of your draft board has changed from 360-some-odd days ago? To be honest with you, at the top, it really hasn't changed all that much. I mean, we were still talking about Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram and Chris Dunn and Jamal Murray and Dragon Bender and Jalen Brown, and all those guys are still going to be top ten picks. You know, Henry Ellenson, Jakob Pertl, Scala BCA. I feel like every single one of those guys was in our lottery last year. Obviously, the order has changed, um, you know, but it's not everybody. There are some new guys that have popped up. Uh, we weren't talking about Buddy Heald as a as a first-round pick, let alone a top-ten pick. We probably had him in the second round at that stage. Marquise Chris was a complete unknown. He was ranked outside of, you know, he wasn't even considered a top-50 freshman in his class, and let alone a guy that could be a top-five pick um, after just one season in college. So for the most part, I think we had a really good idea of what the lottery is going to look like. Um, outside of that, there's been quite a bit of change. Um, you know, there have been some new guys that have popped up. You know, I mean, I, I didn't think Malachi Richardson was going to be a top 20 pick, um, you know, even in February, you know. So, um, I, honestly, I didn't think he was going to be a top 20 pick uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, so, uh, I don't know if he did either. But, uh, you know, that's the nature of the draft. Um, things move pretty quickly. And, you know, once you get outside of the top 10 picks, um, you know, the most elite guys, then really it's beauty in the eye of the beholder. Uh, a lot of um, everybody kind of has a different opinion on where guys will go. And I think this is a really interesting draft class because there's really no consensus about who, you know, 11 through 40 is. And I think that's going to make for a really interesting broadcast on Thursday. I think there'll be a lot of surprises, a lot of guys that drop, a lot of guys that fall. And it'll be very, very entertaining to watch. I mean, as long as you're not, you know, sitting there in the green room waiting to get picked. <laughs> you made some excellent points there, and you gave us some things to chew down on. Uh, Marquise Chris, as you mentioned, wasn't a top-ranked freshman, let alone a top-ranked player. Probably the most unknown guy who's going to have the invite to be in Brooklyn and have his name called within the first hour or so of the NBA draft. What has he done? How has he done it? How has he upped his game to go from being just a good contributing freshman player for Washington coming into the season to a guy who's probably going to get his name called in a top four, five, six, seven of the NBA draft? Well, the way one NBA scout put it to me, a guy that I really respect is, he says Marquise Chris is a Ferrari. He's a guy that you walk onto a car lot and you see a whole bunch of minivans and sedans and then you see a Ferrari sitting there, and of course you're going to be attracted to the Ferrari. That's what Marquise Chris is. You look at his body, you look at the way he shoots the ball, he can put his head on the rim, he's a freak athlete, and you look at the fact that he's still only 18 years old, and you can't help but get excited. Even though there are some serious warts there, 
He was a very poor defensive rebounder. He led the entire country in fouls, um, fouling out, you know, almost half of his games. Um, he even struggled from shooting free throws, you know, a guy that we're projecting to be able to make NBA threes. So that's the nature of a player who, you know, wasn't playing basketball uh, competitively four years ago. Now he's going to be a top five pick. How is he going to handle that? You know, those are the question marks that we're asking ourselves. But in terms of upside, you know, you go watch this guy work out and, you know, your jaw drops. That's how talented he is. Give me a percentage chance that Ben Simmons is going to be the first name called on Thursday night. 90, 95%. I mean, you still hear a little bit in the background that Philadelphia hasn't quite made up their mind. You know, different people talk to them on different days in that front office, and they hear different things. Uh, you know, I think we've all kind of um, came, have, have come to the conclusion that Ben Simmons is going number one, but, you know, there's still that 5 to 10% chance that something could change and, uh, and could really shake things up on draft nights. Brandon Ingram and Simmons have been the two top-ranked players basically all year. One, one A. They moved at times. I know you, for a period of time, had Ingram ranked ahead of Simmons. Although Simmons was up top most of the year for you, you've got Simmons as number one again. Is it a lock? Ingram's going to be the second pick. There are some uh, rumors out there that the Lakers may be looking to go in a different direction. What are you hearing? Well, that would shock me. I mean, if he did, if he doesn't go two, that to me means that he went one. I would be really surprised if um, if he wasn't in the top two picks of the draft. There's just a real drop off after two. And I think what people are kind of looking at, they're saying, well, why are the Lakers working out Buddy Heald and and they're working out Scalabria and they're working out all these other guys? And really, the the answer to that is the Lakers want to get another draft pick, and you know they're considering all their different options and they want to be prepared for the fact that, you know, maybe someone makes them a great offer on draft night and they can get another pick. And then they, they feel like they know Buddy Heald and Scala BCA and, 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 and Henry Ellenson and all those guys just a little bit better. All those guys work out in Los Angeles. It's not that hard to bring them in for a workout. So I think that's where a lot of that is coming from. But Brandon Ingram is going to be a top-two pick. Who is the guy in your estimation that has been dropping the fastest over the last several weeks heading to Thursday night? Well, there's some – you don't want to talk about this too much, but there are a couple of guys that people have seen drop down our board, you know, 10, 15, 20 spots. And a lot of that is not because of the performance and workouts, but more due to the medical situations or some things that come out, um, you know, in terms of projecting out their long-term career, you know. I mean, will this guy be able to, to be durable and to be able to play past his rookie contract five, ten years down the road? I don't really want to single out any guy in specific, but people that really follow the draft, you know, have seen what, you know, guys that have kind of dropped down the board, and, and that's where a lot of that is coming from. Well, I'll mention one of them specifically. I'll ask you about him is Denzel Valentine, who I thought was – he actually did win one Outlets Player of the Year award over Buddy Heald. I thought they were the two best players in college basketball this year. Not necessarily the best pro players, but the, what they achieved on the college basketball floor – this year, I thought that Heald and, and Valentine were 1-1-A. One one um, I've heard that uh, he didn't necessarily have the best medical information, and that's why he could drop. What is his medical issue? How career-involving is it? Is it something that is always going to be part of uh, whether Denzel Valentine makes it in the NBA or not? 
It's something I I don't really like to speculate about because it's such a sensitive topic. This guy's you know it's his long term career, and so I, I would rather not get into it okay. in a public forum. Fair enough. Um, you mentioned Scal Labissiere. He was one of the players who was up top. Yours and others mock drafts top two, top three, top four before the season did not have a very productive season at Kentucky. I've heard several different stories as to why that happened. Didn't necessarily fit uh, what Calipari wanted to do. Uh, slower developing than some people thought, but all the raw talent and skill is still there that had him as one of the top two or three on most people's coming into the season draft board. Where does Labissiere sit now as we get to Thursday night? It's a great question, and it's one that a lot of people are asking. Um, I think he's probably going to end up somewhere in that 9 to 17 range is probably where I would slate him, maybe closer to 9 than to 17. Um, he's had some very, very impressive workouts. I attended one of them. Um, his skill level is really unbelievable, and when you look at you know, his body and the fact that he's only been playing basketball for a couple of years now, you it's it's very easy to extrapolate from that and say, okay, it's understandable why he struggled so much, you know, playing for a coach that tried to make him into a back-to-the-basket player. You know, he, he only weighs um, 216 pounds. You can see why that was difficult for him. But, um, you know, you don't find guys who are seven feet tall, who can shoot threes as easily as he can, and he can also really block shots. And that's, that's a combination that's very difficult to find in today's NBA and so that's why I think, despite his lack of productivity, he's still going to end up being a lottery pick. Dragon Bender will be the first European taken off the board and probably in the first seven or eight picks. Will we see another Euro go in the lottery? I think uh, the one – I would probably get bet against that. The one, Well, DeMontis Sabonis, Lithuanian who played college basketball – has a very good chance. Um, also, um, French player named Timothy Luawu is very strongly in the mix with a number of those teams at the end of the lottery, 12, 13, 14. I don't, I'm not sure if he gets past 15. So those guys are both going to be really heavily in the mix at the end of the lottery. Um, after that, I think you're going to, from about 15 to 30, you're going to see a huge run on European players, um, international players in general. If you look at guys like... Um, like Juan Hernan Gomez, like Ivica Zubats, um, like Ante Zizic, uh, like Furkan Korkmaz. I could see all those guys going as high as the top 20. So um, it's going to be a very international heavy first round, which, you know, we're going to see that happening every year from, from, from here on out. The NBA is an international game. 25% of the league are international. So that's just how things are going to go from, from this stage forward. Uh, I asked you about Scott LeBissier and a guy who was highly thought of before the season. Didn't have quite the season expected of him. Similarly, uh, Chitiallo, the kid from Kansas who just never got into the rotation for the Jayhawks this year, but the skill level is there, the talent is there. I hunkered down, watch a lot of the NBA draft combine. He might have been the most impressive in those games that day. How much did he first hurt his draft status with the season that he had, how much has he been able to build it back up since the season ended? I think he built it back up pretty well. He's probably going to end up in that 15 to 25 range. And you never really know how things would have ended for him, you know, had he gone to a smaller school. Kansas was chasing a Final Four. They had very, very experienced players in front of him, juniors and seniors. Chuck Diallo 
is, you know, he'd be the first one to tell you he's a raw prospect. He only started playing basketball not too long ago. Uh, his will to, you know, to be successful is so much greater than his experience level. So he's a guy that's going to take some time. He's a little bit of a project, but his motor is off the charts. His toughness is off the charts. His length and his athleticism is going to enable him to have a very good NBA career. But I think he's going to end up, for sometimes for these guys, it's a little bit better to go a little bit later in the draft. You go to a better organization. Uh, you have better, um, you know, more experienced teammates around you to help you in practice. And I really think everything is going to work out very well for him when it's all said and done. One of the more interesting players that I'm uh, paying close attention to where he lands on Thursday night is an internet sensation, Thon Maker. Uh, uh, two years ago when he was uh, still in high school, uh, was putting on showcases and the like and uh, got a lot of buzz on social media and the like. He has not played college basketball. He's going straight into the NBA because he's turned 19 but doesn't have that one year to showcase his skills. I've heard people say they think he's anywhere from a top 15 talent to a non-draftable player and shouldn't be picked in the two rounds of the NBA draft. Where do you land on the uh, seven foot one, seriously, uh, athletically gifted but very raw talent, Thon Maker? Definitely not in the top fifteen category. I think um, you know you can't teach his tools in terms of being a seven one player with a seven three wingspan with that kind of motor and intelligence and also character. You talk to him. I mean, this guy is unbelievable just in terms of his personality and his charisma. In terms of his skill level, that's a major work in progress, his feel for the game. Um, I don't think a lot of NBA teams really have a great handle for him because he didn't do anything at the NBA Combine. Um, they really haven't seen him play five-on-five. Five. Um, he turned down his invitation to the Nike Hoop Summit this year. He was there last year and really struggled. So I think a lot of GMs are really struggling with uh, you know, how to rank him, and I think that they've really just hoped that he'll go into workouts you know, who do well in some of those three-on-three settings, and that will entice someone to draft them in the first round, probably, you know, towards the end of the first round, and, and just, you know, bet on his development. But you know, that could also backfire. We could also see him drop into the second round. Um, I would be surprised if he went undrafted, but that's, I think he there's a better chance of that than him being, you know, a top-ten pick. Fair enough. Um there's a reason why I've had you on all these years, Jonathan, because I just I know how good you are. I know how much work and effort you put into this and how much time you uh, dedicate to getting the inside information and the like. And most of the time, I agree with you. And Jonathan's got to know what he's talking about because most of the time, you and I land on the same page. One player we haven't, and all year long, I've been waiting for you to move him up, and you haven't, is Ben Bentel, the power forward from Providence. And I've been a huge Dunn Bentel fan. Shoot, I think I had Providence going into the Elite Eight because I couldn't believe those two talented players couldn't get Providence that far, and they ran into a bad tournament matchup, but what can you do? Uh, North Carolina ends up in the championship game. Uh, I'm a Bentel fan. I thought he got much better as the year went on. Um, I think he's going to be a prototypic power forward who can score a little bit in the NBA. He's not a stretch for and he's not a brute four. He's kind of a combo four for me, and I think he's going to be real good at it. You've never gotten him into the first round. You still don't have him as a first-rounder. What is it you do and or don't like about Ben Bentel? I just think that this is just such a loaded class of power forwards. Uh, I have We have eight of them in the top 15 alone, 
And I just think you look around the NBA and it's the most loaded position you can find. It's, it's, it's the easiest one to find in free agency. Um, and so that's where I think uh, Ben Bento is running into problems because he, you know, he plays the same position as guys like, you know, like Robert Carter, you know, like a lot of these European players like Peter Cornelli, for example, you know, even like a thawn maker. And that's, um, you know, so he's kind of struggled to gain some traction because like you said, He's not, you know, he's he's not a traditional big man. He's only six eight. He doesn't play inside, but he's also not, you know, this incredible shooter. He shot in the low thirty percent for threes, and he doesn't make up for that with his rebounding or his defense. But the guy just knows how to play, and there's something to be said for that. So a lot of guys, like you know, I, I compare him to Mike Scott from Atlanta, who, you know, went. Uh, towards the end of the second round, but still has carved out a really nice career. He's going to probably end up playing 10, 12 years in the NBA just because he knows how to play. He knows how to score. And that's what Ben Bento is. So I think if he falls into the right situation, kind of like Mike Scott has in Atlanta, he'll have a chance to have a really nice career. But in the NBA, you're looking for I mean, you can hang your hat on. Is the guy a shot blocker? Is a three-point shooter? Um, you know, is he an incredible athlete? Does he have great upside? You know, what is it about the guy that separates him from the pack and that's what we're not seeing with Ben Bento, but that doesn't mean he can't have a very good career. And I'm uh, not comparing him to the guy, but these were the same things we heard about Draymond Green a couple of years ago when he fell into the second round, and now he's one of the best players in the NBA. I'm not saying Ben Bento's going to be one of the best players in the NBA, but two or three years from now, three or four years from now, we will might be saying he's the best pick in the second round and a steal for the team that got him there. But uh, that's the beauty of this, Jonathan. we got to wait it out, see how it goes. Uh, I know you'll be uh, ready to rock on Thursday night. Appreciate you coming on with us today. Thanks much uh, for your contribution all year long. Thanks for having me, Jody. Always great to be on the show.